Chapter Twenty Four of Riolaro, the Archipelago of Exiles by Godfrey Swevin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Whitlingen and adjacent islands. The adjacency of Vulpia was the only thing that saved the inhabitants of Whitlingen from stark madness. They organized raids upon its shores in order to let off the accumulated wit of the weeks or months in which they had to repress it. They could all join patriotically in such an expedition against the common enemies, the human foxes and tedium. For weeks they enjoyed the elaborate preparation for the brand new practical jokelet, whilst its successful consummation saved their reason and gave them laughter for months at other times whitlingen was a hell upon earth for them here they gathered together the professional joculasters of the archipelago exiled from their favourite hunting-grounds and condemned to the company of men whom they detested most in the world it was indeed the most lugubrious of the islands every one knew as thoroughly as his own all the jests of the rest of his fellow-islanders they had repeated them or heard them repeatedly till they fled from them like a plague. They knew the whole gamut through which human wit could play, and smiled dismally and sceptically at the idea of a new joke. They had gone back through the jest-books of past times, and seen how every age had merely revamped jests that must have been prehistoric. They were quite convinced and so it had been the fatherland of each before exiling him that in no realm of human industry was there so close an approach to the automatic and a swoonarian it was said had once invented a human automaton that could supply any one of all the witticisms that the human brain had been able to hit upon with a subsidiary movement for adapting it to the circumstances or dialect of any island the Whitlingenites were so enraged at his offer to equip the government of every country with as many as they needed at small cost that they waylaid the ships that carried them and sank them with their cargoes. Theirs was one of the islands for the wayfarer to avoid, for on landing he was liable to be mobbed, every Whitlingenite rushing to secure him for an audience and if by chance he was saved and became the personal perquisite of any one inhabitant or section of the inhabitants he had not the life of a dog he became the butt of their jests and still worse he had to be the appreciator of them the only way in which he could survive or escape was to feign deafness or still better inability to understand their witticisms and so to compel them to explain them if any one of the Whitlingenites managed to escape back to his fatherland, he was soon recognized by his mosquito-like buzzing round the market-place and his buttonholing of all and sundry, the confidential and sage-wag of the head, and the strut of his demeanor after a series of successes. There was nothing in earth or out of it, but he could make himself superior to by uttering one of his little jokes upon it he could tread on the neck of omniscience and omnipotence itself if only he was allowed to jest about it to his fellow-men it was this peculiarity of joculasters that made them the pariahs of the archipelago when one was found to have escaped from whitlingen 
it was the duty of every sane self-respecting man and woman to get him quarantined like a leper and sent back it was only there that they got free and kept free of their terrible disease besides fulpia the whittlingen knights now had another recreation ground in which they could play off practical jokes much to their own satisfaction it was the small island of fanfaronia the peoples of the archipelago had begun to be plagued with a new type of eccentric the would-be world conqueror the success of two or three on military expeditions and the great glory that they gathered to themselves thereby had sent an epidemic of militant brag amongst the youth of the various islands the manner was most infectious and in order to stop the spread of the plague the saner majorities had to adopt the usual homeopathic cure every youth who strutted with head on chest and arms folded and assumed superiority of genius to his fellows and to their moral rules and conventions was exiled to fanfaronia and their proximity of likes kept the disease in abeyance but as soon as a stranger landed the fanfaronian struck the stage attitudes of great conquerors and looked for adoration from him it was on this weakness that the whittlingenites played and thus found another escape valve for their own mental malady they had rivals for the use of this new arena in the inhabitants of the large island of simiola that lay close to their coasts the particular disease that had brought the simiolans together was an irresistible tendency to act the shadow or echo of those whom they saw or heard and especially of those whom others admired the best and feeblest of them had been useless to the communities in which they had lived for though innocent of any malignant purpose they were mere parrots that depreciated the currency of good words or manners or acts or wisdom by the wear of too frequent repetition but most of them had been mischievous or even dangerous in their habits they were by nature backbiters and malicious with a passion for depreciating and trampling in the mud whatsoever had stirred the praise or admiration of other people or their own envy or jealousy these had become foul or ape-like in their habit of life and even in their forms there was nothing they would not condescend to in order to bring down to their level all that seemed to be above them their island was seldom approached by voyagers so dangerous was it to land on it yet waggish expeditions frequently made it their hunting ground for looked at from a distance their conduct was often laughable and their growing likeness to apes gave zest to the comedy but they became violent if the strangers ever attempted to mimic them or laugh at them and the favorite method of teasing them was to bring an ape and set it beside them they hated the mere sight of the beast for in it it was thought they discovered their own certain destiny yet their chief deity in their central shrine it was found by a daring traveller who penetrated its mystery was the representation of an ape gigantic and monstrous yet manlike they did their best to put that traveller to death but he had taken all precautions and escaped they thought they had worshipped the noblest being in the universe and seemed quite unconscious that they had made his image in the likeness of an ape it was only a foreigner and alien who could see the resemblance 
close by the shores of simiola and as like it as isle could be to isle lay polaria a still more favoured hunting-ground for the waggish youth of the archipelago this was where they fleshed their first intellectual weapons for the polarians fell into the trap set for them with exceptional ease they had been exiled and brought together here on account of a strange but common malady that of grinding their words and conduct by the rule of contraries finding themselves with a passion for independence of action and without the power of origination they tried to attain the appearance of it by contradicting all they heard and making their actions the opposite of those they saw they so to speak enjoyed each other's society more than the inhabitants of the adjacent islands for it made their hearts leap to hear a flat contradiction of what they said their blood was up and they had a good run by the rule of contraries they hated each other most heartily and would put themselves into infinite trouble to find out what their neighbours or friends did or loved in order to do the very opposite it was their daily feast to go abroad and especially to wander in the market-place for if they met a man who seemed to know something about a subject they would contradict him to their heart's content and make him feel how little he knew of it they cultivated ignorance of the favourite topics of the day so that they might have a free hand in saying the opposite of any one who had studied them knowledge would shut their mouths and deprive them of the rapture of a good long wrangle it was amusing to see one of the wags lay his traps for them he would find out from neighbours or friends what were their pet opinions beliefs or principles and being fully equipped he would approach and announce in a loud and assertive voice one or other of them at once would come the recantation and through the whole range of their creed he would pass and get them to deny all they believed but it needed some adroitness to escape ultimate detection and he had to make arrangements for avoiding the tempest of rage that was sure to follow the process of making them eat their own words they had the greatest contempt for the inhabitants of simiola and hated them even more heartily than they hated each other the very sight of them on their distant shore drove them to a violent passion yet a simiolan would as naturally contradict a polarian as if he had been a polarian himself the two were much alike in their principles of action to have any chance of common sympathy farther away in the direction of tirralaria but near watknest on the side of feneralia lay another group of islets inhabited by those who were crazy on the subject of thrift the grabolians were the misers of the archipelago they had developed such a facility for the concealment of money and possessions that you would have thought them as stricken with poverty as their greatest enemies and nearest neighbours the iconoclasts these last counted capital the unpardonable sin they refused to cultivate the soil lest they should have to harvest its fruits and store them up thrift they considered the greatest of vices trade and commerce they abhorred and money wherever they found it they threw into the sea it was their devil tools and houses they eschewed as the outcome of providence and a form of capital 
the only accumulation that they looked on with tolerance was that of filth and the refuse of nature and man clothing they would have none of it it was the result of industry and the sign and symbol of hated forethought they ignored and tolerated the kindly services of nature in trying by means of her winds and dust and various forms of decay to mould them a substitute for they refused to assist her in her ablutional attempts to undo her work no one ever saw them eat but this was no proof that they never ate the fruits disappeared off the trees and there were many holes in the earth to show where roots had been dug if ever they felt the pangs of hunger or thirst they vanished from the neighbourhood of their fellow-men they would rather die than acknowledge to either for to satisfy it meant the indulgence in industry and industry was the sure sign of a nature degenerating into thrift and capital their meals were everybody knew nocturnal they kept up the farce to each other of professing to be above both meat and drink if they were ever seen to bustle about you might be sure that they were exterminating a nest of ants or chasing a bee off the island these were in their view the criminals of the animal kingdom the economizers and capitalists one of their favorite maxims was this go to the ant thou thriftling and idiot consider her ways and be wise see how she toils and stores unceasingly from birth to death enslaved to a despotic instinct brutally fettered to the future the wonder was that they did not follow out the logic of their creed and crusade against thrift in nature's own camp there was she treasuring up the carbon of the falling leaves to make the fruits of the coming summer there was she storing up sap during her idle months that she might make her trees and plants blossom in spring nay in their own systems was she at work from infancy onwards carefully providing for later periods of life they did their best it is true to defeat her in her providence and thrift for they were walking skeletons and hospitals but after all their efforts they failed to eradicate her thrift from their own systems it was their unhappiness that every new turn in their lives revealed to them some form of it in themselves that they had either to attempt to get rid of or pretend to each other that they had not got they refused to see that the only avoidance of thrift was suicide and that even that was a form of thrift nature their foe had perhaps generously blinded them a singular group of islets was situated beyond these and collectively called paranomia their inhabitants had all been exiled for some craze they had developed on the subject of law they respected it either too much or too little some were so devoted to it that they spent their time in litigation and missed approach to the spirit of equity others researched the same goal by snapping their fingers at all law one of the group called palindicia was colonized by justiomaniacs who were not happy unless engaged in dealing out justice they did not object to acting the part of prosecutor or counsel but their especial passion was judicial they would have risen in rebellion had not their administrators given them daily employment on the bench or in the jury-box 
how to supply the people with cases and criminals was the difficulty that beset the government and drove them to their wits end once they had proposed to put in the docks a dummy or automatic criminal but they nearly lost their lives in the brawl that resulted it was an unpardonable insult to the humanity of the palanitians to make them pay at toy trials they would not suffer such an outrage and caricature on the justice they so adored they must have real flesh-and-blood criminals to try cases with a vein of tragedy running through them to whet their judicial skill upon they would soon produce a good supply if the government did not look out the administrators would last a good while if placed one after another in the dock in fact they rather preferred an innocent man for their experiments in justice for they often said where lay the talent or ability in sheeting a crime home to one who was guilty there was something of true genius in convicting an innocent man and in making his friends feel that there was something wrong about him his defence was so earnest that his prosecution and trial had to be exhibitions of the greatest judicial talent in order to secure his condemnation a real criminal was clogged and handicapped by the consciousness of his crime and after a little struggle succumbed the guiltless or his friends kept up the judicial battle for years and the whole nation was drawn into the case so that every citizen reveled in the exercise of his sense of justice one of the most successful methods for employing all the people in a trial for a long period was when a crime actually occurred to get the wronged in the dock and make the guilty try him it relieved the government for years and years of anxiety about the supply of subjects for the judicial scalpel the bench of criminals so enmeshed their victim in the toils that there was no escape for him and yet there was the most exquisite exercise for the national passion the labyrinth became almost too intricate for their sense of justice yet they were thankful for it it was exactly what they wanted for it meant appeal from court to court and trial after trial with all the evidence and the details over again in fact they had manufactured so many tribunals one above the other in even gradation that the simplest case might last them years and every member of the community have his judicial skill wedded every day the result was that however guiltless the accused might seem when he first entered the dock was driven into false witness or perjury or treason before he had gone far and by the close every palindician was convinced that he only got his deserts when condemned their sense of justice was fully satisfied as well as their passion for judgment and those who had brought him into the meshes were panegyrized as true patriots they were always deeply grieved at the condemnation of an accused by the last court of appeal for the case was then finally disposed of and ceased to afford an arena for their judicial talents the only consolation in the misfortune was that the defence and its failure might possibly supply a new crop of traitors whose cases might last for years century after century they had had a splendid judicial preserve in the remnant of an aboriginal race that had developed a genius for finance and subtlety 
whatever laws the palindicians might pass these aliens were so astute that in all their financial triumphs they could avoid breaking them it was one of the patriotic amusements of the citizens to get up a periodical battue and hunt one or another of these unfortunates into the legal nest self-defence or retaliation generally led him at last to commit some crime treason or assault or slander against a citizen and thus a first-class criminal was manufactured for their unemployed law courts and as he was baited by witness false or true from court to court he fell deeper and deeper into genuine criminality by developing new phases and working up new issues they could husband the case for a long period but too frequent battues had thinned the game in this legal preserve and the proclamation of a close season had not sufficed to restore the old numbers or even make them commensurate with the palladician passion for justice they were driven at last to use up any strangers that landed on their shores unfortunately most of these were criminals from other islands and they had always made better material for the bench than for the dock in fact it had become the custom for the palladicians to use them as judges for who could dispense justice so well as the guilty who more experienced than the criminal in finding out crime the culprits of the archipelago were so convinced of the rightness of palladician judgment that they fled at once to the island unless the cruel despotism of law retained them in their own it was with regret then that these devotees of justice were driven by failure of the natural supply to change their policy and put them in the dock there they were anything but satisfactory and were convicted too easily and rapidly the palanditians had grown sad as they reflected over the mysterious workings of providence for here were they with all this passion and genius for justice and yet this new supply ran short the criminals of the archipelago had ceased to believe in palindician justice and preferred in their blindness to take refuge in some other paradise and it looked as if the inhabitants of this unfortunate island would either have to find subjects for their judicial talent in their own ranks or abandon its refinement and power through want of practice such a dilemma never had any people had to face and where would justice find a home if they were driven to the latter alternative would not the world mourn the greatest of virtues perished if once she were banished from her last refuge no rather they would resort to the trivial contests of civil litigation than permit such a catastrophe rather would they manufacture their criminals out of the guiltless in their own ranks than let the palindicia cease to be the jewel of justice not one of them but would sacrifice his dearest friend rather than allow the genius for judgment to vanish from the earth it was prattle like this that made me forget the malodorous state of the narrator sneekape knew that he had to do something in order to withdraw my energies from my olfactory nerves and he succeeded his entertainment when it ended left me again a prey to the thought of the commanding odours that rayed out from him but rest and freedom were near for night fell and mesmerised our faculties End of chapter twenty four